It's the Jim Chapman News Hour on 94.9 CHRW, your cure for corporate radio. It is that time of the week again when we welcome into the studio Jeff Schlemmer, local lawyer and political activist and uh, Liberal Party hack. And, uh, oh, that's very unkind of me. <laughs> quite and, true, quite and, true. Uh, and Bob Metz, who is a local political activist and uh, Freedom Party hack. And uh, it's nice to have you both here. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like it. I'm just kind of giddy today. I don't know why. No, it's a pleasure to have both of our guests here, as it always is. Very uh, intelligent and uh, and in tune with what's going on in our community politically and otherwise and that's what this part of the show is all about it's left right and center where we take a look at issues of the day from varying perspectives different perspectives i just want to run a, a quick couple of quick questions by you guys the things we talked about earlier this morning one was this student in toronto an american uh, uh, who's studying in toronto who went and registered and voted to prove that it could be done because they, he said there were you know, some restrictions, supposed to be restrictions. And when Elections Canada was informed of this, their response was not, well, my gosh, how did that happen and how could we prevent it? Their response was, you know, we can put you in jail for five years and fine you $5,000 for doing that. I just wondered if either of you had a, any kind of thought about that. Jeff? Oh, well, that's a good question. Uh, I guess... Uh on the one hand, it, it speaks to uh, kind of our Canadian tolerance. It reminds me of uh, Sam Trosso and the kind of uh, hit that he took uh, from Tom Gosnell a couple weeks back uh, about the Imagine London thing. And uh, Tom pointed out that he had no right to speak about London political issues because he was an American. And there's been a, a great backlash in the paper and the letters to the editor of people saying, well, so what? Who cares? Which, which I like. Uh, so on the one hand, it's nice that we don't kind of pin him to the wall with a machine gun. Uh, and it also speaks to the fact that we're maybe too laid back sometimes, too easy going about stuff like that. Obviously, if word got around, you could have some major voter fraud, although I've never really heard about any significant attempted voter fraud know? in Canada. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, again, we're just, we're just sort of laid back. But we'd ha- we would have no way of knowing. If this guy hadn't spoken up, we wouldn't have known that he did it. Oh, it's it, for for me and Freedom Party. This has been a huge issue provincially, and I think federally too, because the, the the option for voter fraud is is incredible, and we hear stories of organized voter fraud. Well, he walked in, with but a, nobody talks about. He it. walked in with a student's card and a hydro bill. Yeah, that's all you need, and basically they're not going to ask you. Just, we don't have voters' cards, which might be a, an idea of, of preventing that. We don't have a very strict system of seeing who lives in what ward, you know, municipally, mm-hmm. or I mean, it's different on every level. Um, depending on the election. But uh, what to actually do with it? I'm curious, who do you vote for? He didn't, no, he didn't, he, he didn't say... Does that I, party I, I, lose I, a vote? I would think if he was, uh, if he was genuine in his, in his efforts as a journalist, because he's a journalism student, uh, he didn't vote for anybody. But it would be interesting to ask him. Whether oh, so he, he just did this as a stunt. Yeah, well, he, he wanted to see. He's, okay. he's an inquiring well. mind, wanted to know whether you could get away with it. But that happens all the time. You remember last uh, was last summer that somebody took a... Um, Oh, some kind of a mock bomb or something onto a subway in Toronto, you know, to see if you could do that. And of course you can, you know, our security is extremely lax in Canada. And I guess from my perspective, on the one hand, you'd like to have just enough, but you also don't want to have too much. But but he was not even asked whether he was of age. Apparently he's a young-looking fellow. They didn't ask him if he was old enough. They didn't ask him if he was a citizen. All they said, to, where's your ID? Here, where's your ID? Here's my student's card and a hydro bill to show where I live. Yeah. Well, we had, two weeks ago, using Costco cards to get driver's licenses, yeah. too. Like... Uh, this country is just too laid back, well, I tell you. And, uh, given and again, those facts, though, I would say that threatening him with fines and jails is inappropriate because the only reason they even know he did this was because he told them. Yes. Right? So yeah. basically they're fining him for being honest. 
Whereas anybody who did this for dishonest reasons would never get caught in a million years mm-hmm. unless somebody turned them in, and even that could be disputed. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess uh, you have to say something. So I think the only thing they can do is tighten up the the, 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 the registrar system. You know, we have permanent voters lists now. That's mm-hmm. a big problem. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues is that dead people never get removed from them. Mm-hmm. So they grow. And then you might start hearing statistics that fewer percentage of people are voting when really it's the same percentage are getting larger because they're not taking anybody off the list. Mm-hmm. But it's a question, and, though, how much do you spend on something like that? Do you implement a, you know, a tighter system and then the government doesn't seem to be able to do anything like that for less than millions of dollars? And, you know, it's like, to me, I'd rather spend that money trying to keep people from being gunned down in terms of, you know, uh, crime priorities and illegality priorities. It, it's it's bad that it's that loose. On the other hand, at least we're not spending a lot of money on that in exchange for giving up something else. Uh, and I also just hate the idea of intru- government intrusiveness for its own sake. If there's a way that you can separate the wheat from the chaff easily and simply go for it, do it, and the, obviously they should be tighter than this, but it's a question of you hate to react too far the other way and, and bring in you know, the universal identity card type thing or the UPC okay. code well, on my right. forehead. Building on that, let's move to our next story, which is the United States government is still seeking to get Google uh, to get the courts to force Google, the uh, online search engine, to turn over records of its, uh, of its subscribers relative to where they choose to surf. Specifically, they, are, they want information about people who use the triple uh, X search engines looking for porn on, uh, on the Internet. Google has consistently said it's none of your business. Triple X, not terrorism. No, Triple X. No. Oh, yeah. Okay, porn, yeah, that's, porn. that's the, that's well, the dangerous child, stuff out child child well, they, they, here's, here's why they want it. They want it because they are being sued by the ACLU. The government is being sued by the ACLU for what the ACLU believes is overstepping their bounds in legislation to, uh, to catch and deal with the child pornography on the Internet. Uh, so the government says, well, in order for us to defend ourselves, we need access to all this information about tens of millions of Americans who are accessing this material. And Google has said, not on your life. The lower courts have said, not on your life. Google has sat down with the, uh, with the government, apparently, and tried to work out some kind of a modus vivendi whereby they might be able to work with the government to isolate or to identify some potential problems, although how they would do that, they haven't said. The government said, no, 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 we want full access. We want to be able to step in at any no, time just and take a snapshot of your, of, your, of your business. That's just another gun registry deal. You can, you can deal with child porn and things like that very effectively, especially with the Internet today. It's interesting. I was on a program myself as a guest on Michael Corrin not too long ago. And they had two people from Project P there. And the one question I asked them, I said, and they want more powers in Canada as well. It's the same situation here. And uh, I asked them, I put it to them bluntly, have you ever saved one child? Can you name me one child that any of these projects of child porn have ever saved, right? Not a one. But uh, that's it. No, wait, but, wait, wait, wait. But now that, here, that's the that, same that, thing as how do you catch the guy who, no, no. who cheated when he when he voted? I I encourage them if if they can if they know somebody's downloading child porn that makes them a suspect in certain cases, mm-hmm. right? That's a perfect piece of evidence, and they should be using that for evidence. And I think when police find a trail of something, they can they still have the powers. I don't know what the but legal that's terms what, that's are. That's what they're Jeff, using to, Google uh, and Yahoo for. That in uh, fact, uh, within the last month or two, the uh, was it the Yahoo records were subpoenaed in relation to a fellow that had been charged with uh, with child pornography and uh, no. In fact, it was a... 
he had slashed his wife's throat or something, and they had they could show that he had done searches on this mm-hmm. uh, on Yahoo using those search words, and and it was news to me, although I don't know why, but it news to me that I guess they keep records of every search that your uh, computer has done. Mm-hmm. They have the IP address, and, oh, sure. and they have it all. So any search that you've ever done is in a record and can be called up, and people should maybe be aware of that. But I, on, in the world we live in today, I assume that my phone that if if the government wants to know something about my cell phone, they'll listen in. You know why wouldn't they listen in? Of course they will. Because, well, they, it's the, illegal. Well, the, why wouldn't? Yeah, because it's illegal. Because they shouldn't. Right. But Jeff George, 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 Bush, George Bush wants to look in uh, to, to surveil on Americans. He will do it, and he won't tell yeah. you about it. And sooner or later, it'll come out, and there'll be a little scandal for a while, and then they'll go back to doing it again. Like, but at least I think be it's wrong. At but least there'll I, be a scandal. I'm trying to be pragmatic in the, in the the world we live in today, where we've got spy shops and so on. You can go and buy your tiny little microphones and everything. There isn't a lot of privacy really left, which I regret. But I think that's just the reality of the world. So we just should go along with it? I don't like it, but how well, do you stop it? Well, see, Jeff's already illustrated my point. The, the, the government already has the power it needs to do these things. If they're going after a particular person, they can subpoena some intermediary party. And there's not much they can do about it on that basis. But asking for a blanket list of anybody who searches triple X or searches, I don't know, that's whatever. That's what China does, right? right? Sorry? There's an article about China today well, talking sure. about how uh, Google has worked out a deal well, with yes, China they have, to they've censor. Well, yes, they've agreed with China to restrict access in China. Yeah. Well, this is a little not different to report. Yeah. Well, yeah. but it's astonishing when you think about the control that the Chinese government is exerting and how much resources it must take. But they were talking about the Falun Gong, for instance. And if mm-hmm. you do a search of Falun Gong in China, it'll only come out with negative articles, uh, no positive articles. And I'm wondering, well, is that better than nothing at all? I don't know. We have to pause for a second. We'll be back. Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz with us on Left, Right, and Center today on the NewsHour, 94.9 CHRW. Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer with us today, Left, Right, and Center. Guys, I have tried not to do too much uh, post-election coverage, but there are some things you have to touch on. And I think today it w- wouldn't be reasonable for me not to ask the two of you. Uh, I'm not going to ask you what you thought of the outcome, but I do have a couple of questions that I'd like to put to you. One of them is, uh, how far do you think... Harper will be able to go. Do you think he'll be able to craft an alliance to keep this thing floating for a while, given that the Liberals don't want an election? Nobody wants an election in a hurry, but the Liberals particularly, they need a new leader. Uh, the bloc, it probably works to their advantage. The longer candidate appears to be dysfunctional, the, the stronger they probably look to their supporters. And the NDP wants to, I think, enjoy what they've got now, because there's no guarantee that they'd get 29 members again next time. Um, Bob, what do you think the chances are of Harper being able to work this for a reasonable length? Say longer than the average is 18 months. Do you think he'll beat the average? Depends on how good a diplomat he is, and he's proven himself to be a pretty good one so far. But given just the general philosophic environment in which Parliament now finds itself, he's got a tough hill to climb. Mm -hmm. A minority government with liberal is much easier to manage than a minority government with conservative, because the NDP would be more on side, and that's the the third major party. Which we saw the last time. Sure. And so Leighton is in an interesting situation now because he's got Harper on on the right trying to, quote, find some kind of things they've got in common, uh, which is almost not not too much except some of the basic premises of our system. But um, I think when you say how far can Harper go, you're really saying how different will he be allowed to be from Mm -hmm. the other parties. And I don't think he's going to be allowed to be very different at all. And he may be able to manage better. He might uh, clean up some of the petty corruption. But I hope he can clean up the big corruption, like the huge, huge stuff, the stuff like the, uh, you know, HRDC HRDC that we Mm -hmm. had just a little while ago. And, of course, the gun registry and and other multi-billion dollar boondoggles that just are impossible to explain. There's a, you know, all the talk has been about the Tories and potentially the NDP, you know, would the Tories have to align themselves with the bloc? 
why couldn't they align themselves with elements within the Liberal Party, particularly if the Liberal Party sees advantages in putting off an election for the next little while? Is it not possible that he might find some support there? There are some things they agree on. With yeah, liberals, yeah. I would say it's the most possible. I think yeah. you'll find liberals a little bit more diverse in their well, points. You look, at, you look at Paul Steckley, for example, who squeaked back in here on Bruce, but is back in, um, was, was, uh, was not in favor of same-sex, was against the gun registry and a variety of things like mm-hmm. that. You would look to him, and there's others across the country, and perhaps even some liberals who are, you know, a little more red liberal, but there might still be issues that they could agree on. But nobody seems to be talking about that. Jeff, I don't understand why that is. Well, and I, you're right in the sense that if you were to introduce controversial legislation tomorrow, the liberals obviously can't uh, go through another election where their leader is announced that he's resigning, uh, so everybody needs time. Uh, so it would be difficult for them to say, you know, forget it, we're, the government's going to fall tomorrow, we're right back into another election. Uh, as to whether, like there are individual issues where there are individual liberals who would vote with him. Now, whether it would be enough to make up for the bloc and the NDP and the remaining liberals, I, I doubt on any significant issue. But uh, I think that, uh, that Mr. Harper will uh, will. Uh, beat expectations as far as a minority government for the next uh, couple of years. And the reason will be that he's got his eye on the prize and has made a career of being underestimated about that. And uh, I'm, I, as much as I disagree with, his, with probably his ideology, uh, you can't underrate his achievement in taking a party that was, was essentially uh, blown itself apart and patching it up and putting it back together, making a deal with people who hated each other, pulling them all together on the same side, and then becoming a credible alternative to the government and becoming prime minister uh, at the same age that I am. I feel like quite an underachiever compared to the fellow. <laughs> and I think he'll continue to be a smart guy and that for the next two years he's going to come across as a, as a moderate fellow and will work to try and build coalitions because his ultimate goal is a, is a good, healthy majority. What about a coalition government, a legitimate coalition government? Is it, is it, is it absolutely beyond the realm of possibility in this country that he might n- invite the odd NDP or liberal member to sit in cabinet? even. I mean, it's, it's been done before in times of national crisis. Could he invoke national crisis now? Well, uh, not unless we get a deep recession. I think that's the looming crisis. Our health care system has been said to be a national crisis since mm-hmm. day one, and that's certainly an issue they won't agree on, um, at least publicly. Both the Liberals and the Conservatives, of course, have, of course, have been allowing private clinics and, and extra um, more private options in the medical field because they have to. Mm-hmm. But the Liberals didn't brag about it, and the Conservatives want to talk about it. They realize it's politically incorrect to do so. Mm-hmm. But all parties that are going to have to deal with the health care issue are going to have to go that way. They have no choice. You want to keep doctors here? You better let them. But be they in. can. But you know, I think, and I hate to, I hate to say this, but the reality is, I think they can all let that slide. I think the Canadian public is either apathetic or worn out by the discussions about this, and I don't think that Harper's under any huge pressure to, quote, do something about health care. Well, he's promised to reduce waiting lists and to transport people out of the jurisdiction that they're in if they are under a waiting system. That's that's a monumental thing to do in a way. You have to ask Mr. Clement, the new health minister. (laughs) 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 Sorry. I mean, our health care <laughs> expenses are going to be quadrupled with transportation expenses now, too, mm-hmm. you know, and all because we have a system here that can't deliver. So we're delivering our patients to a system that we all condemn and think is morally improper, mm-hmm. but it can service us. Mm-hmm. And but so there's a, the moral dilemma. Nobody wants to be moral about our health care system. Everybody wants to be on the take. Give me, give me, give me. I want free health care. Gee, why can't you make it work? Unless there, was a, <laughs> unless there was a tipping point crisis to bring people together around it, I, I agree with you, Jim, that uh, people just don't need to deal with it. They can just put it off for another day. And I think that there's a bit of crisis fatigue from the United States mm-hmm. where there's a sense that everything 
everything is uh, uh, emergency crisis, war on this, war on that, and yeah. so on. Uh, I just don't think that there would be enough to overcome party loyalties. And again, to to if if you were an NDP and decided to got a cabinet invitation, decided to take it, you've burned your bridges. You're not coming back. Yeah. Uh, so it would take something. Unless you did dramatic. it with the blessing of your party. Unless yes. unle- unless Jack Layton maybe was the minister. Could could he not reach out to Layton in some situation? Make him the minister of social services and say, Jack. Now you understand, you realize that I can't. I'm not giving you the ministry so you can pretend you're the the NDP prime minister. But we do value your your input and your your outlook, and and we'll do what you know. We'll do the best we can. It'd be fine. And uh, look back at uh, governments where they did do that. I guess Roosevelt did that mm-hmm. uh, effectively in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Ch- Churchill, of course. Uh, I think that would be very interesting. Are you actually suggesting that Harper actually values Leighton's opinion on social issues? Well, I think that I think that even if you disagreed with Leighton's conclusions, I think my own personal opinion is you have to give some credence to the amount of homework that he's done. I don't agree with what he, the analysis he's made of the research he's done, but certainly he's in tune with a lot of the people who are on the cutting edge of those issues. So why not talk to him? Well, if I've if somebody's done their homework, but I think they're wrong, I'm not going to put them in my cabinet. Well, That's you still a, have the opportunity to try to convince them. And, and, and like I said, well, you can't put them in with the idea, okay, you'll be the prime minister of, of social welfare in the, province, in the country, Jack. Do whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. Well, I was surprised, too, that uh, in hearing uh, Sue Barnes when she gave her, uh, her speech the other night, she said that there were, I think it was five bills that had gone through her committee uh, where the liberals were in a minority and they were able to work out a compromise that satisfied a majority of the, of mm-hmm. the members. So they do work together. Like, yeah. you, you know, you get the sense from the election that they just hate each other and would not be in the same room together, but they do work together. Yeah. Uh, so anything's possible. One of the most surprising things politically in my life was the first time I was invited to the House of Commons to go back into the back areas, into, mm-hmm. the, into the members' areas there, to see these faces of individuals I knew quite well from television, the newspapers, and the varying parties that one would have thought would have, you know, turned their backs on each other and sat in d- different corners of the room. Uh, and they're all, you know, jawing away, having a great time, laughing and talking, and uh, as though the party lines didn't exist at all. Well, I'm like that when I'm on a election husting. I talk to the Marxist-Leninist candidate, mm-hmm. and we're, we can be friendly. Yeah. I don't, I don't think. Good. I don't think. Well, it's it's civilization. Yeah, Come yeah, on, it's, well, it's exactly <laughs> right. But I think a lot of people have that perception that these people won't be able to work together at all because they're they're conservatives and they're liberals. And look what they said during the election, and look at the ads. And the reality is, they've got a lot more in common as politicians than maybe pulls them apart as party well, it's, members. It's all about spending is what government's about and unfortunately minority governments have a record of more spending than majority governments precisely because everybody's making deals with everybody else yeah. to stay in power. So the guy on the right says I'll, I'll spend for your left wing cause X dollars if you spend on my left right wing cause yeah. sorry yeah. and then both get what they want and that's why Government's running out of control, and the citizens finding he's having trouble making ends meet. Can, you know, economic conditions are getting tough. Layoffs, the whole deal. It's all part of the process. We're coming back right after this. More on the Jim Chapman News Hour on ninety four point nine CHRW. Back in a Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz. I just want to ask you one more question about the election, then we'll move on as time permits. Um, Eileen Matheson uh, won for the NDP, the first NDP seat in this part of the country, at the federal level. And, uh, and, and congratulations to her. This is not meant as in any way, shape, or form as an attack on, uh, on uh, Ms. Matheson. But she won with 34.4% of the vote cast in that, in that riding. Now, not 34.4% of the eligible voters, but the people who actually bothered to go and vote. 34.4% of them voted for her. Which means that uh, 65.6%, is my math right? More than two-thirds of the people, or almost two-thirds of people in that riding said, no, we want somebody else. 
Now, she has won it. And again, this has nothing to do with Irene. It's nothing to do with her. It's nothing to do with the NDP. It's just, just simply a question. That was the, she had the lowest percentage of anybody in the area. That's why I use her. Either of you troubled by that, that here is an individual now who will go to Ottawa, ostensibly to speak for that writing, and could only convince just a shade more than a third of the people who voted that she was the one that ought to have the job. Is there any of you see a problem with that? You know, I'm less bothered by it than I used to be. Um, that's the rules. I mean, it's either that or 50% plus one. Okay. Or some form of proportional representation. Um, or, or well, that would, of... be, that would be an eternal compromising of never having a majority government of any sort. And then you have that process I was talking about before. And, and if you have constant minority situations, whether you call it that or you call it you know, a more blended kind of a government, um, no one's going to be able to operate or, or govern morally by whatever their moral standards might be. They're always compromising their standards Why to not, the other guy. Could we not then have, uh, have uh, runoff elections? So you eventually come down to two candidates. That would be a solution. You could have, and that's certainly something I've always promoted, having a, you can have a second choice, mm-hmm. you know, like if your first one gets an overwhelming number or an underwhelming number, mm-hmm. then a second choice. That's the only way to really get around that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first pass, and that's something I support, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't bother me that the winner is just the one with the most votes. But uh, the winner's only got, in this case, has a third of the votes. Well, that's Two-thirds a, of the people in that riding didn't want that person to win. Should I be more upset about that than in the other riding where somebody got 39% of the vote or 42? No, just ha- just or, you know, that's, well, right. no, nobody got anywhere near 50 in London. Right. Nobody so, who so won got anywhere near 50. So there you go. It's, it's, it's not about that. And I think too many people think that the idea of, quote, democracy is majoritarianism. It isn't. We've well, only got four choices basically out there, maybe five, okay, of political parties. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not all that different from each other. Now They are when you try to form a government. Um, well, for them to get along with each other, yes, that's a separate issue. But, I mean, for you and me as taxpayers and voters, it's not that big a, a difference. Now, if you had, I would be very upset if the one party that got in was like uh, the Leninist party or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then you'd have a real problem because you'd have... Well, so, a, so as long as it's a good party, well, it's okay, but if it's a bad wasn't party, Wasn't that the not? problem with the, with the Mensheviks and the Bolsheviks in, 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 in Russia? I mean, you had less than 5% of the population that took over the country yeah. for the better half of a, uh, almost a century. But isn't that possibly what's, what we're heading towards here, if um, we keep allowing this But on the other hand, doesn't this show a vibrant democracy where you've got a tight three-way race, people were involved and, and excited about it enough to get out and get involved? Uh, you know, in some respects, to me, that's, that is the ultimate opposite of one-party rule. You know, you've got a bunch of people with different ideas that go and fight it all out. And then well, there are, but there are different out, ideas. That's the, the problem. What are they, what are they, There's no different what, ideas. We tend to think of a fight as somebody's going to win a fight. Who won here? Two-thirds of the voters lost. Two it's the same in the United States where at any given time, like, I've, I've been surprised by how close most U.S. presidential elections seem to be and how, by definition, it means that almost half the people in the country don't support the guy who's there and, in fact, are quite opposed to him. Yes. But they all live happily with it. But at so least... Okay, next time we'll get our guy in there. But at least it's got to be 50 plus one. At the very least, and I, I grant you that that's not the best thing in the world, but at least down there when a president is elected and we can set aside Bush Gore for all the endless arguments over that. But in most cases, he's got at least one more vote than the other guy has. And at least there's this semblance of majority rule. Whereas in this country, you can elect a a government. uh, What did did Chrétien have? 38, 39% Mm -hmm, of the vote? mm -hmm, Sure. Last time around? You can elect a government. You elect individuals with, with a third 
of the vote. That just seems to me contrary to, to, to the, the, what, what I would call maybe the ethic of democracy. It maybe hasn't got anything to do with the theory or the, in practice, but the idea that the will of the majority, subject to protections for minorities, which is what the Constitution is all about. Well, you know, there's, there's really only two poles in politics, and we've loosely referred to them as left and right. Okay? Now, the problem is both the left and right have split into several little poles, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so our electoral system was really based on a two-party system. When the NDP came in from being the CCF and turned into a political party, um, that skewed the whole concept of 50% plus one because that changed the rules permanently from that moment on. So the only way to get back to a 50% plus one situation in a multi-party system, like more than one, more than two parties, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, is what you suggested, a runoff vote. Because at least then people can have a second choice. They don't have to make it. Mm-hmm. They don't have to. They're not a comp- it's up to them. Right. And uh, then you'd have a little bit more of, I guess, what you'd call consensus or consent from the electorate in terms of who does eventually get in. But that's um, a criticism I've often heard about the United States is the two-party system, that it isn't diverse enough. Um, so, you know, there's a compromise in either direction. But, but you're their, right. You're their right. System, well, their they system, have a Green Party. They have a Libertarian yeah, Party. Their system doesn't work on a practical sense. Doesn't work really. I don't think much better than ours. If if it's any better at all on a day to day. I would say as a political system, it's in many ways more restrictive and more uh, difficult to get into. It's very fixed. Uh, just judging from my experience talking to people south of the border with both the Green Party and the Libertarian mm-hmm. Party, it's it's a nightmare. You're constantly, constantly registering and re-registering and fighting to get on the ballot, let alone get your get your point of view out there, you know. <laughs> well, I can hear the band, guys, in the next room. The band's warming up. That means we're out of time. Uh, thank you to Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. Always a pleasure to have you here, and thank you for listening. Those of you who have been sending your email comments about left, right, and center, keep them coming. We love to hear from you. Jim Chapman at Rogers.com. We'll be back tomorrow, good Lord willing, at 11 o'clock in the morning for the next edition of the News Hour. You can get us on the Internet, too, you know. We've got both radio and television archives waiting for you at jimchapman.ca. See you later.